Alrighty everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro bringing you some hot news on Monday, April 18th, 2022. Current events are providing us with loads of good news and this is the podcast you want to hear it from. And when I say good news, all I mean is interesting. It may not necessarily have the most positive implications, but regardless, lots of energy media is anti-oil or just doesn't do a good enough job at bringing the right conclusions to the table. Rare Petro has an extensive catalog of media and predictions that, I would argue, more often than not come to fruition. I'm not telling you to bet the farm on energy commodities that we cover, I'm just suggesting that you frack that follow button so you can join us on our independent journey of critical thinking and analysis. Rare Petro would love to have you, but enough self-promo. You didn't come here to listen to me explain all the facts behind just how incredible we are. You came to hear the biggest statistics and news in the world of energy, and let's get into it, starting with commodity prices. Last week, things were looking bleak as we watched oil prices fall back below $100. Many folks figured that this was the end of the Russian invasion's influence on commodity prices. Boy, were they wrong. The invasion is only highlighting the already existing supply issue that we've struggled with for really the past two years in some form or another. Now, WTI is back above $100 and sitting pretty at $109. Natural gas made steady gains for over a month now, but that activity was overshadowed by the insane crude price. Today, natural gas price topped $8, making it the priciest natural gas we have seen since the come down of 08. Energy prices are at all-time highs, markets setting new records, inflation at unheard-of levels, and a housing crisis causing all homes to skyrocket in value, all at the same time? I'm not saying we're doomed to repeat 2008, but many of our metrics would suggest that the economy is, well, not at its peak. Natural gas prices have since cooled off, but they're sitting around 785. Guess we'll just have to wait and see how much higher it can go or how quickly it can crash back down. Next up is the rig count. According to the most recent numbers, we now have four more rigs than we did last week. This brings the U.S. to a total of 693 rigs, or 254 more rigs than we had this time last year. Surprisingly, the Eagleford put up more rigs than its more popular counterpart, plus three for the Eagleford and plus two for the Permian. Otherwise, the Barnet and Canna Woodford each gained one. State by state, this leaves Texas up four, West Virginia up two, and Alaska and Oklahoma up one. Pennsylvania lost two, and New Mexico and Louisiana lost one. The new rigs are all making horizontal whole and targeting an equal split of oil and gas. No change in the Gulf, but we did lose one inland water rig, bringing our total down to one. Steady, modest gains like this will likely continue for quite some time, but let me tell you, we are still a long ways out from the days of four-digit rig counts. Our last statistic to cover is the inventory report. As always, give it a peep on rarepetro.com. It contains a new cocktail recipe weekly and plenty of tables or graphs that serve to only enhance your understanding of the supply and demand dynamics of the world's favorite fuel. Go read it. You won't regret it. If you did miss the last issue, the EIA predicted a build of less than a million barrels, but was absolutely blown away by a reported 9 million barrel build. The API ponied up a bigger prediction of a more than 1 million barrel build, but they too were shy of actual reported results. While smaller than the EIA's prediction, a seven and three-quarter million barrel build is nothing to scoff at. Strangely enough, we are still seeing those commodities we talked about gaining prices between when these reports were released to now, 
And I think that really just highlights how tight commodity supply is getting. Like we mentioned before, Chinese demand for hydrocarbons has dropped thanks to their latest lockdowns. Not only that, but the IEA, not the EIA, is rolling out a worldwide 240 million barrel release in an attempt to rein prices back in. It is possible that continued draws like these could move commodity prices significantly, but not for too long. Consider that the world uses 100 million barrels of oil a day on a good day. That was a very common statistic from the pre-COVID days. Even if demand is slightly diminished, is three extra days of bonus oil really going to stabilize market prices in the long term? Likely not. This segment was named Thirsty Thursday because the world is thirsty for oil, and that thirst can never quite be quenched. It's a symptom of living in an energy-dense luxury society. Long-term aspects do look good, but short-term could be bumpy because this is the largest build we've seen in over a year. March 10th's build from 2021 was 13.8 million barrels. If we see one or two more builds this large, I would not be surprised if prices started to react. Another two builds like this, and we'll be back in the historical five-year domestic territory. Gasoline inventories ended up dropping another 3.6 million barrels, which is the biggest drop of 2022. This brings it to the lower boundary of the historical five-year range, but a downward trend is expected for this time of year. If it doesn't stop decreasing by, we'll say, May, we may once again be below the historical five-year range. Distillates are falling at about the same slope we would expect for this time period, but are still much lower than is reasonable. A few weeks of inventory builds could be enough to bring it almost sideways back. Propane is like the eldest child at this point. We don't really give it a lot of attention, but... It makes sure that the house doesn't burn down despite being a bit of an underachiever. <laughs> Overall, things are either okay or bad. Few commodities are at levels that I would classify as healthy. But I believe that rounds out the last of our statistics. For news, we obviously have to touch on the Biden administration's decision to lease out some federal land. As most of you know, the Biden administration was eager to implement a drilling moratorium as they claimed they were completing a study on the impacts of well, just operating these leases, on federal land. That report never emerged, and that was the last we heard of it, roughly back in the summer of last year. Now, the Biden administration has cut the ceremonial ribbon, or at least part of it. A very small lease sale is being conducted that is roughly 20% of the size that we would typically see. The leases in this package have a new royalty rate that is 50% higher than it was before, or about 18.5%, I believe. Now, this non-competitive deal is really not going to have much of an effect on domestic production. Is that the goal? To make big oil, as they call it, look ineffective at increasing production, even when given the green light? We don't really know yet, but I encourage you to listen to Wednesday's episode of The Wacky World of Energy, as Anthony and I take a good 15 minutes to hash out some data and uh, slightly wackier speculation. This show is better reserved for some factual retelling of information. Again, be sure to subscribe as that podcast will be out on Wednesday and you will not want to miss it. In other news, we've got Pakistan in darkness. The costs of energy between LNG and coal are proving to be far too high for the world's fifth most populous country. Combine this with an unfortunately timed political crisis and you've got a government in disarray with a budget in shambles. On April 13th, it was reported that 7,140 megawatts, or almost a third of total power demand, was offline. Hopefully they can resolve this soon because it's going to get worse as there are only so many generators in the world that can be used to preserve food, power hospitals, and 
regulate the temperatures of homes. You have to start picking and choosing once energy gets to be really tight. And I think that is exactly what Russia wanted. India and China are already buying cheap Russian energy. What's to stop Pakistan from hopping in on the action if invited? After all, most of Europe is dead set on cutting off all consumption of Russian energy. Now consider this. If 20% of a nation is without electricity, how many liters will crumble under the pressure and buy Russian oil and gas because they have no other choice? What if we push that number to 50%? You can see where I'm going with this. Russia may be using the conflict in Ukraine as a tool to gain a greater share of the stage. Western economies from Europe to the US have had far too much time in the limelight telling others what they can and can't do. Russia's grown leaps and bounds in recent decades and wants its deserved spot at the big boys' table this Thanksgiving. Three months ago, Kosovo struggled with electricity supply, but no one really blinked because it's quite a small country, but we did cover it here on the podcast. Now, Pakistan finds itself in an energy emergency, with lots of Europe barreling towards the same fate. I think the quality of life in Europe may quickly deteriorate in the coming months. The EU can talk about sanctions all it wants, but countries like Hungary are already expressing their concerns of the impact no Russian energy will have on their economies. Germany has made it very clear that they have no other option. Folks, I sound like a broken record, but the world is changing and the dollar is being directly challenged as a result of us buying into campaigns shrouded by good hearts and environmentalism. We shipped off all production away and want all the benefits of green energy without any of the child labor and earth ravaging it entails. The not-in-my-backyard attitude has reinforced all of these beliefs, but it is not too late. America still has great private industry players who can deliver the energy that we need. I would watch these folks closely as they could be the ones to pull us out of this mess. But enough soapbox grandstanding, we have run out of time. The world of energy and statistics is vast and strange, but Rare Petro has your back. We have plenty of other content coming out later this week, so be sure to frack your follow buttons so you can stay up to date. If you have any questions or want to challenge our presentation of the facts, you are always welcome to message us by emailing podcast at rarepetro.com. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody. 